appreciate that. Hello, everyone. Great to be with you um, this afternoon. If you're here in the UK or Europe, or if you're wider than that, then good morning or good evening to you. Thank you so much for joining us. As you can see on the screen there, my name is Alex Williams. I'm Head of Customer Success and Engagement at Impulse. I've got Jodie here. Hello. Yes, lovely to be here with you all. So I'm Jodie Harrison, and I'm an Insights Consultant at Impulse. And as Lucy mentioned, this is part two of our series on Lunch and Learn. So for those that weren't here last time, just to um, clarify what the Lunch and Learn is, it's literally 30 minutes to be really short, sharp and focused, give real practical tips around employee engagement and specifically surveying as well. So we've got our second topic, which is a human approach to surveying. So Jodie, why don't you quickly just give us a bit of an intro. Why did we choose this topic? Why is it so important? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Thank you. So. Um, it's, it seems like it's very timely having uh, this webinar now. This topic is, is gaining more and more importance. And um, it's perhaps easiest to explain why we need this human approach if we start by looking at the endpoint. What is the outcome that we're hoping to achieve through surveying? So ultimately, we want a transformational change within our organisations, which is going to look like uh, creating a great place to work, employees, colleagues showing up as the, their best selves every day. So we need to see the surveys as a tool to help us get to that point. And they're a tool to help facilitate conversations with um, managers that are likely to then lead to that change. So if we look at why the human part particularly as well, um, this is really interesting at the moment because, of course, uh, the human approach is much broader, in fact, than just surveying. Um, it includes things like the behaviours of our leaders, the day-to-day -day culture that we're operating in, uh, our communications with people as well, whether that's, um, whether that's emails or whether it is those face-to-face -face conversations. All of those things add up to creating this human approach. And actually, what we're saying here is our surveys need to follow and our surveys need to be in line with this culture that we're looking to create. And ju just to say on this from, uh, we both work with a lot of our clients on this, a lot of conversations we're now having with clients, particularly their, their leaders and the exec team is, how do we make our service feel more human? This is very topical mm. for a lot of conversations we're happening. So great to have you. As, as Lucy mentioned at the start, we will be sharing the slides. There is a lot of content, so don't feel like you need to write it all down now, but we're gonna get started. Yeah, so we're going great. to what we're breaking it down by. There are two key things we're doing. Number one is what is a human approach to serving? And Jody's going to touch on that in a moment. And then the second thing is real practical and tangible things we can do to bring that to life. How do we actually do this in our workplace? So Jody, I'll hand over to you then for number one, which is mm. what is a human approach to serving? Really interesting question to start, start, start us off. Um, I think there's a lot of definitions we could come up with around this, and it is going to mean slightly different things to different people. But I'd like to touch on the work of um, Brené Brown. You may know um, Brené Brown and her work already. She does a lot on leadership and vulnerability. Uh, and I'd highly suggest looking her up and looking at her podcasts and, and her book if, if you don't know her already. Um, but this quote particularly here really gets to the heart of the things that we're trying to look at today and what we're trying to build. So she talks a lot around connection. And here we've got the quote of, I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. We're gonna to touch back on those points in a moment. Uh, when they can give and receive without judgment and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. So what we're really looking at here is this piece of around building connection in a human way and how do we do that? So it really, um, 
what we need to look at is how we take these elements and move them into the workplace. So we can simplify that quote, if you like, and break it down into three key elements or three key things that we want people to feel in order to build that connection, have that more human approach um, and make people feel the way we want them to within the organisation. So the first one here is around feeling valued. And what we've got here really are some suggestions of what this can look like in the workplace. So career development, career development, sorry, recognition. These are ways that you can achieve these feelings in more of a workplace context. So they're things that you might want to um, even ask about in the survey areas um, where you can focus if you want to improve these feelings. If you've got people saying, for example, that maybe they don't feel valued or don't feel recognized, um, this could be an area of focus. It links closely into the next two points on I feel like I belong and I feel I am safe. So really key points here and worth looking at safety as well through the lens of we've got this broader perspective on, on well-being, but also around psychological safety, which links into the feeling of belonging as well. So they are really closely connected to each other. Just to jump in there, Jodie, for everyone, for everyone um, listening or watching, it's worth considering looking at these three here and thinking actually how much are you measuring these within your workplace? And by that, within your surveys, how uh, how many questions are you touching on these three elements here? Are they even included in your survey or are they not? We have lots of conversations with organisations where they're constantly, particularly in the changing working landscape, looking to refresh their survey mm -hmm. questions. And they often say, what are some of the themes we should be looking at? And here's three, definitely um, three topics mm -hmm. you should be looking at and considering for your survey. Absolutely. And it's about um, integrating these into the approach, which is what we're going to come into. Um, so um, how do we make our surveys feel more human? So let's just start off, set the scene a little bit on what, what isn't the human approach. So we can really say this uh, is potentially a more traditional approach to surveying. So this might be an approach that we're all uh, familiar with, or um, it might be something that we've seen or heard about. It might be how our organization is at the moment. So what this would look like, a more traditional style would be um, surveys that are likely not that frequent. So it may be a frequency of annual, even less. We have a lot of clients coming to us with um, who are starting from once every three years, once every two years some on that annual frequency. But what we tend to see when we've got this less frequent approach is that organizations feel they need to use that one survey as their one chance to ask all the questions that they can possibly think of. And as a result, they end up with a huge amount of data, which either they spend a long time analyzing all of it, and in which case it's quite likely that the results are going to go stale by the time they've got around to taking action off the back of it. Um, but also that it may be that they're asking all these questions and not actually doing anything with that data. So there's um, a, a disparity there almost between what's going on in the survey and the outcome that follows it. So um, the next point on here leads into this as well around the survey results and who they're owned by. So we would typically see on a more traditional approach that this ownership, both of the results and also the follow up, be led from higher up. So driven by the exec team. 
um, a broad range of survey questions. This links into what I was saying around there being perhaps a lot of questions, getting a lot of data that quickly goes stale. And within that broad range of questions, we would tend to see an engagement index that perhaps is also quite broad, that the definition is not very well defined, perhaps that it's based on an external definition of what engagement means and that it includes external factors that perhaps don't feel relevant to people. And this one is key really, this bottom point here on perceptions of the survey. So how do people see the survey? In this case, more traditionally, perhaps if it's coming along once a year, but it's just a tick box exercise, something that the business has to complete, often just to provide those key scores to the exec. And actually the employee's involvement is just to complete the survey and then that's the end of it. So let's compare this to um, what a more human approach could look like. And these are some of the key shifts uh, that we're looking to make or that we're hoping to see and what Alex is going to come on to and some practical tips on how we can do those. But just to have a, a bit of a description of what it is we're trying to achieve when we're creating this human approach. So um, surveys are a key point of connection with people and we want them to be leading to ongoing conversations. So we want this to stay fresh, we want the data to stay fresh so we'll be looking at a more regular frequency. This, the frequency that can look different depending on the organization. It does need to be context dependent. We do have quite a lot of variety across our clients. So we have some doing really well on quarterly surveys, some less than that, maybe twice a year, but then with opportunities for deep dives or uh, mini pulse surveys in between, just to keep it fresh and um, check in regularly on how people are doing. So, with the response to the survey as well, the diff key difference here is moving from um, ownership with the exec to results being owned um, more locally and by managers. So we need to be creating this culture where people feel this ownership around the results. Uh, and this, of course, is going to increase participation within the survey itself as well. An important one here, this next one on um, the question set and what we're asking. So again, linking in with saying we want the surveys to be uh, more frequent, we need to make sure that we're asking relevant questions um, within those surveys. So this one's really key, making sure that we look at what we want to be asking about within our organisation and that all the questions are relevant. And then, of course, these uh, important perceptions of the surveys, how do employees see it? We want it, the survey to be seen as a communication tool rather than this tick box exercise. Mm. Really like this, Jodie. Really good to see the four key shifts obviously we're trying to make. I think for those watching, it's great to look at this and actually check where you are on these scales. So are you on the left-hand side in all four? Are you actually on one or two of them, maybe more on the right-hand side? What are you choosing to focus on? These four key shifts are really useful for that in checking where you are against those. One question as you're talking there, Jerry, um, I, I just thought of which might be useful is for those organizations that are looking to shift more to that human approach, they're more on the right hand side there. there. Is there like one or two they should start with to focus on to begin that transition across? Do they need to do all four at the same time? Uh, what, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so I'll just touch on what you said at the start of that question was around um, almost around this being a spectrum. So it's not that you're one or the other, there's lots of stages in between. And yes, we can make this a gradual shift and that's how it's gonna be most successful. So I would suggest um, some of these rely on the others. So 
if we really wanted to hone this down, yes, they are all important, but I would look at this third point around having this um, question set that's agile, that's based on these relevant factors, because if we can achieve this, we're going to make it, um, the survey automatically is going to connect with people more. So perceptions are going to start to change if people can see that the questions are relevant to them. And then of course, for the actions as well, uh, particularly for managers, again, this it needs to link to things that they're seeing day to day, doing day to day. So they need to have the right data for them to be able to then take action that's meaningful off the back of it. Mm -hmm. Great, so what you're saying there is really the third one's the best the more tactical one to start with, to start mm -hmm. off with, and then that leads on it. Great, I'm just gonna um, check, I know, um, Mark, thanks Mark for your comment there, just saying this is great, exactly what we have done to, cha done to change this year. I'm glad that we've changed. Good to hear that, Mark. Um, just a question here, what would your advice be on communicating out to staff who are still paranoid that it's not anonymous, even though we use an external company? You'll be pleased to hear, Mark, we get this question a lot with the clients that we work with. It's always a concern for people around that um in all honesty it comes to a lot of uh, around the communication so actually it being led by the senior leaders of saying we're not tracking your data we can't see that and being really specific around why we can't do that so for us for our clients a lot of them are no they can't see fewer than seven responses for the population so actually being specific and saying we can't see the populations of less than seven how we do that and also um leading by the line managers of having that conversation making sure they are um, briefed accordingly to be able to have the conversation and reassure people around that because they're more trusted typically than the senior leaders because they've got more relationship with those uh, who are within their team so we say target the managers make sure they're really briefed because they're trusted people but also it's important you're really specific on what how is it anonymous for them as well mm, i think there's um, a transparency piece there as well around um as alex was saying being specific but that can even mean perhaps sharing exactly from the results things that you can see so it might be mm -hmm. that you can give um, a screenshot of what you see so that people can see oh actually they can only see this sort of overall picture just so that again you can dial in on that specificity and that people can um, really relate to what, what you're saying in the comms great thanks for the question mark and the comment great to see you resonate with uh, the, these four shifts we're then going to move on to the second half, which is going to be what are some practical ways that we can then do this, have this more human approach to surveying. There are two key things we're going to focus on. The first one is around the survey content. So this is what's within the survey, what makes up the survey. Number one is looking at your question wording. So it's use question wording that connects with your people. That mean, when, means when you're writing questions, think about the most common language that your people use. Typically, we see it's often um, uh, the organization of the leaders writing the questions they write very corporate speak being totally honest with you and it's like how does that translate to your people that are on the ground if they're construction on the business side do they talk that way if they're on the shop floor or the flat, uh, factory floor what does it mean for them so it's making it really human language that they're going to understand as well that means avoiding your corporate um, speak is the other one there two two good tips on this is number one is imagine you're having a conversation what what um, language would you use as part of the conversation? As Jody touched on, it is about facilitating that ongoing conversation, that two-way conversation throughout the whole employee experience. So use language that you would naturally use in a conversation. And the second really good exercise we've used with other clients or we pose to them is, imagine we're sat having a beer in the pub. How would you ask that question to me in the pub? And then start with that language, rather than what are the external perspectives out there saying the very corporate language, how would you say it if we've sat across each other in a pub and start and use that as the starting point? 
Let me give you a very practical example of this. You can see that on the right-hand side there, how would you rate your relationship with your line manager? Very good to very poor. Now, I apologies if I've offended anyone um, on the webinar and you use this question, please bear with me. Um, but that's a very, what we would say, a traditional um, question wording. It's not very specific. Um, it feels very mechanic and generic. Um, and it's more of a rating. Whereas you can see underneath that versus the more human approach would be my line manager regularly checks in to see how I'm doing. Sounds far more human, far more natural, and it's also really specific. So then you know, actually, if they're answering negatively to this question, we know it's about that regular check-in with how they're doing. Whereas the other one is, if you ask that question, it's unclear what, if they answer negatively why there isn't a good relationship with the line manager. This is a really great example, Alex, what we were saying just previously around um, facilitating manager ownership, particularly mm -hmm. given the example that we've got here, because we've got to think about um, if we want managers to take action, managers to have conversations and results to be owned locally, if a manager receives results to that first question, they're going to feel that mm. this survey is a huge judgment on them, which is not going to create the feelings that we want if people see this as a judgment that the scores in the survey are a reflection of their work then it's it's going to be a much more fearful process mm. whereas if a manager gets the results to um this second question it's well firstly it's giving them much more specifics on what they can and can't do but it's 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 much more um informal if you mm. like and it's it is much more specific and it's much more human for them to be able to um look at that and perhaps see why as well without just having this rating um, yeah. thrown at them. Yeah, yeah, great point, Jodie, great point. Next one then, number two, is no more than 15. So aggressions, Jodie tapped on this in the previous bit about those shorter, more regular surveys. We would say if you're asking really long surveys, we know people previously have done 50 to 75 survey questions in their surveys. We would say that's too much. Number one is look how that's perceived. Jodie talked a lot about perception with these surveys. If you're going in there with a 60 to 75 question survey, that feels like a tick box exercise. It feels like an interrogation or an interview. What these surveys should feel like are small check-ins on how people are feeling. And then obviously using it to measure relevant context at the time or initiatives, but it's about checking in with how people are feeling. 15 survey questions is more than enough to do that. We know this is quite revolutionary. We know others are doing like 20, 25, 30, but we really think if you're doing the regular check-ins, 15 survey questions, is enough. I'm just going to pause. We've had a question in from um, Sophie to say, in the past, I've had managers who, who, upon receiving the results, say, oh, I know who it is. I will try to work out who has left what feedback on the survey. Do you have any tips for managing this? So that is around for us. That sounds like uh, a trust issue around. Um, you've had managers who, upon receiving the results, say, oh, no, oh, I know who that is. Or we'll have to try and work out. Mm. I think there's something here on um, role modeling, how you want the results to be used, because this comes back to that sort of traditional approach of execs seeing it as a scorecard and perhaps managers doing the same thing, trying to break it down and who said what rather than using the survey the way you want them to. So I think there's a role modeling piece on showing how you use the results around looking for those overall trends mm. and where you place the focus. Um, because breaking it down like that's um, it's not going to be helpful for anybody. It's a bit of a cultural issue there. Mm. It might be quite ingrained that that's how things work. But I think um, chipping away at that through having the more focused approach um, could help that. 
Yeah, de definitely. Totally agree. And to your, your previous point, Jody, about how you position or the perception of the survey is really around. It's not an interrogation or a place to criticise your line manager. It's about giving uh, information to have that ongoing conversation with mm -hmm. your people. So the manager can then have the conversation open, transparent with their team around um, feedback that they've received. I'll move on to the um, third point here, which is lead with their need. If you're on our previous um, webinar, we talked about this a lot, which is leading with the need of your people. If your respondents are answering a survey and they feel like all the questions they're answering are about the company agenda or your own criteria, it doesn't feel very human because they're just giving you answers to every leading with whatever your need is. So how do you lead with their need? What we mean by that is giving them opportunity to express how they feel, to express their opinion, to give their feedback. And so two practical ways you can do this. Number one is free text questions in your survey. Now you don't want a, a shed load of um, free text questions because that'll take up a lot of your time to analyze and their time to write, but it's giving appropriate or strategic places in the survey for them to share their feedback through free text questions. That allows them then to express um, on a blank page, essentially how they're feeling. And number two is one we've talked about previously, very unique to impulse is the emotions question, which is how are you feeling and then why? Again, that just gives them a way of expressing how they feel, but then the why behind it to share what's most important to them, what's at the forefront of their mind, what are they focusing on, what's important to them. So those are two ways you can lead with their needs. So think about the survey is not just about capturing data or criteria that's important to the organisation. Again, it's about facilitating that ongoing conversation. So how do we give opportunities for our employees or our people to give their feedback or share their needs as well? Number four, use questions that are actionable and relevant. Um, what you should do is your questions should have a single subject. So they're really, really specific. What we mean by that is they should be asking about one thing explicitly. So on that example up there on the right hand side, my manager regularly checks in to see how I'm doing. That's about one very specific subject there about them regularly checking in on how they're doing. So you've got to make sure your questions are specific and single subject. The reason for that is so that they're easy to action. Based off of the answer to that question, I can immediately know what I need to address. But the second thing then is also looking at how do you align your survey questions with company priorities or objectives that you're already working on? Reason being is then off the back of the survey, the actions that you're taking aligned with these priorities or these objectives will then link back to the survey results. So then respondents can see that actually the answers they're giving or the responses are making a meaningful difference in the organization. So that's really about that. Uh, the survey questions being specific in order for you to take action off the back of that. So it feels like actually you are doing something off the back of it. There are humans behind this. It's not just a data capture or data collection um, exercise. And number five, the final one around survey content is include branching questions. You're probably familiar with branching questions if you've run surveys before, but if not, let me briefly touch on this. It's based off of an answer to a survey question. A respondent would then get a follow-up question delving deeper into that. So let's say I say my line manager regularly checks in to see how I'm doing. I answer negatively to that survey question. I'll then get a follow-up question saying, why did you give this answer or why do you feel this way? The reason why this is really useful is because it feels more intuitive and more natural flow to the survey. Less like a rigid set of questions and actually more like, oh, you, if we're in a conversation, I've given a certain answer, you would naturally follow up with another question to delve deeper into that or to continue the conversation around that. So it's a great way of continuing that natural flow and uh, keeping intuition within the survey rather than those rigid survey questions as well.
slight side note on uh, the other side of things, not necessarily about human approach, but just the benefit of this is it allows you to immediately get actionable information that you can take rather than having to do another follow-up survey later in the future to dial, uh, delve deeper into that. You've already got the information there for you to take. So that's the first point, survey content there, and then five actions underneath that. The second thing then around tips you can take is around survey positioning. So the first point here, key to obviously survey positioning is communication. And this is communication pre, during, and post-survey. And there are four key things we've highlighted on the right-hand side there for you to think about with this. Number one is around the message or the messaging, and that is around who is taking ownership of this. So communicate that it's a shared ownership, the survey. Again, it's not just a HR thing. It's not just a leadership thing, but it's that we all own this together. What does that tangibly look like? It means we all share our feedback in the survey, but then we all have a conversation at that local level about how we're feeling about the results and what we can do off the back of that. So that's expectations, again, setting of we're all in this together. It's shared ownership. We're all responsible for our own engagement. Second thing then is very practical comms channels. So when sending out a survey, typically because it's a URL link, our clients will send out the survey uh, in a written format, so whether that's an email or whether it's on the internet. But it's really important to think about the communications around this. And we would say face-to-face, -face, overwritten every day of the week. When you're communicating about a survey, it's really important that communication is face-to-face. -face. And that could be live. So it could be in a live environment, in a meeting or on a webinar, or it could just be a video. It could be a pre-recorded video by a senior leader sharing why the survey is important to them, their commitments to this. And then if it's post-survey, actions there can take off the back of that. So it doesn't necessarily have to be live, but it must be uh, a video in that sense, if not. But face-to-face, -face, overwritten. Again, just heightening that human approach. Third one here is around tone of voice. So we've touched on this around the survey questions. We've talked about it being very human and conversational in the survey questions. We've got to make sure that's consistent across communications around this survey as well. That means using language, as I touched on before, that's common to your people uh, out on site, on the shop floor, et cetera. Most employees, what kind of language are they gonna use? Think about that, make it feel human. And number four, making the most of the survey results. So moments upon before you, just have a think about now, the survey's just closed. Typically, what would you do once the survey's closed? For many organizations, they would say, we share the results with our people. And what that looks like is we just share the scores to everyone and we say, we're gonna go away and review this, but here are the scores. And some people go, oh great, it's gone eight percentage points increase since the last survey, great. But for us, that's not enough. If it's a human approach, we've gotta be sharing a narrative. We've got to be sharing a story with our people. What have the results told us? What are the insights we've pulled from this? What's the overarching narrative? And off the back of that then, because of this narrative, here are some three key actions we're going to take or focuses we're going to um, take on over the next three to four months to address these. Some of you might have heard of um, natural language processing. It's where a program will take the data, so the raw data, and it will then put it into language, write sentences to bring that to life. Again, that's a great thing that you can use for your managers. They can take their data and then it gives them a few sentences of how to do that. But that last point is so important, thinking about how do we not just make it about data, but we tell a story, we use words to bring it to life. Great. Um, I'm very aware of time and actually we are, we have, have come to the end of uh, today's session. So we'll just pop these points up on here um, just for, you, for your um, reference here. And we can send out the slides so that you've got those as well around 
other ways to look at the survey positioning. Um, but that will bring us into a close mm -hmm. for, for today. Final thing we want to leave you with is this quote here from Sean Stevenson, which is connection is not an exchange of information. Connection is an exchange of humanity and it's an exchange of emotion. So again, to my last point I made there, just think about when you're doing your post-survey actions, are you just sharing information with them? Is it an exchange of information, that being survey results? Or are you using it as an opportunity to have an open, honest conversation with your people, two-way conversation where you're sharing how you feel and facilitating that ongoing conversation? So appreciate we are at half past. So Lucy, we'll hand back to you. Thanks, guys. That was absolutely fantastic. It is a shame we ran out of time. And um, for anyone watching, if you are interested in speaking to Jodie or Alex um, about anything they've shared with us today, please let me know. I will be in touch with the slides um, and the recording. If you're interested to hear a little bit more about Impulse and our human approach to surveying using emotional analytics, again, just drop me a note. I'd be happy to share that with you. Um, so thanks all for joining. We do have our next session on the 23rd of June. It is part three of our five-part series around how to measure throughout the employee journey, looking at the end-to-end -end employee experience. So don't miss that. I'm going to send out the link to sign up and hope you all have a lovely afternoon.